Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's that time of the week again. The Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And back for another week of the fifth and last NRL podcast. And as usual, never a dull moment in rugby league boxhead. No, it's been another manic week. Mm. A lot of craziness. Certainly has been. And we'll kick things off with our set of six brought to you by bluebet.com.au. If you're going to bet with anyone, there is no one better than the true blue Aussie bookie. Download the app today or visit the website. Uh, No win, unfortunately, for the charity bet again on the weekend. I... Lapsed as I do some weeks. I wanted Colin Matungi. Turns out he didn't up scoring. Rolled the dice on the Sharks game with Hamlin Ueli. You idiot. No dice. So, my Stick bad. Stick to your initial, mate. Stick yeah, I did, but I forgot. I did the other blank when we were oh, I forgot. Okay. at footy. That's so, different. we obviously were playing Fiji on the weekend, and I looked at it afterwards, and I, oh, I forgot about the South game when I was doing the warm-up, and next minute, mm. I saw his name there and thought, you bugger. <laughs> should, have, should have put it on before we got there, but... yeah. Unfortunately, that was not the case. But big thanks again for their support for the charity account, bluebet.com.au. Set of six, any thoughts, topics, opinions, anything we want to talk about? I think tackle one. Let's just get to it, address it, talk about it. Everyone's had plenty to say about it because it's had a couple of days to fester. It's all sort of been concluded today. But the comments uh, by Raging Ricky, he's been handed a $25,000 fine and suspended for seven days and not able to coach this weekend, it's one of those ones where a bit similar to the other week, not in the same context as the Manly thing. There's all the different opinions um, about, you know, how this one has been handled. Is it extreme? Is it too extreme? Is it not extreme enough? Who's in the right? Who's in the wrong? I think plain and simple, it's not right to make those comments in a public forum, in his position, under any circumstances. Yeah. That's the nuts and bolts of it. I don't know the history. I don't know the story. I don't know any of the background to it. But on the surface, which is, I guess, all we can judge it on, he got it wrong. He was emotional. He got angry. He said some really personal things on a very public stage. And it went viral, as as you would say. it. The issue, I think, is not so much... Well, the issue is clearly the comments. But and then the issue is, is the public nature of the comments and then how widespread that's become and how defamatory that is to Salmon, irrespective of yeah. what those issues are and what caused Ricky to actually say that. <clears throat> you, I don't think you have a right to defame someone, particularly when he wasn't given the right of reply or there's no background information. No, I think a lot and, of people... And was the kick that... Like, I didn't think the kick was great. Yeah, but did it did it really deserve that sort of response? Do you not see kickouts and any tackles during the week? I know the fall sort of made it look worse when you cop in the chin. I'm not defending that at all, but you can look at a lot of tackles and see guys that have been kicked in the legs or somewhere else 
So I'm not going to defend that part of it, but it was literally almost like, again, he threw his toys out of the cop because he'd lost the game. He was highly emotional. They had him in a really good position coming down there without Cleary kick out. Luai, to me, I've said it a million times, he's a sore loser at, at the best of times. His press conferences generally do <clears> tend to deflect or get away, but this was far further than a reflection, and clearly this is something he has been holding on to. And people are trying to draw a bow. I heard this, I heard that. Whatever you've heard, I think everyone can draw a conclusion as to all the hints that are coming from the media as to what possibly would have been said. But also, again, at the time, well, I can't completely But again, that, that's what pisses me off. It's, we shouldn't be guessing. No, don't we shouldn't guess. be guessing. But if you don't know, shut up. Regardless, going back to it, it's potentially an 11-year-old kid. So you've been letting an 11-year-old live again, in your head... speculating. We don't know. ...rent-free for 12 years. And to unleash it on that platform in the position that he's in is still wrong. I, yeah. I can't justify it anyway. Anyone wants to justify it given the hints or breadcrumbs that have been left behind. So yeah, He got it wrong. He deserved to be punished. I think, yeah. the, I think the punishment is fair. And I'm sick of hearing the speculation. No, and that's people more than nothing. Because yeah. people go, well... Because we don't know, so no. I'm not going to act like I know. So rightly or wrongly, whether you agree or disagree, or not, given the platform, given your position, given the circumstances, how that came out, regardless of how heated he was because of the moment, it was wrong mm. in every sense. Um, in terms of the punishment, again, I... I I don't really know um, about the whole suspension thing. I know some people are saying he should be out for the rest of the year. Or no, it's I think that's, that's a bit over the top. But I think in the sense that they've said that he has to actually pay the fine because a lot of the time clubs cop for him. I don't know how they make sure of that. <laughs> they can't. So that was one thing I found interesting. Mind you, the club's got him over $100,000 worth of fines in his time in the league. So surely at some point they say, you can pay the bill for this one, Sticky. Yeah. Um, but again, we're not going to sit here and speculate like a lot of people are to try and drum up news, just plain and simple. On the surface of what the comments were in the context of it, I don't agree with what he did. It was very much wrong, um, and he'll pay the price for it. And in terms of where this goes from here on out, I don't need to do with it, because again, for the most part, like we said, we don't like to get involved in this sort of stuff, but it certainly had to be addressed, because it was a big story. We want to stick to football. So Correct. that's what we're going to do. And moving on with that, two tackle two. From that perspective, the top eight, it certainly tightened up after the weekend and a couple of those teams, like we said, that had crucial matches, obviously lost. The Dragons had a million chances given Cronulla kept shooting themselves in the foot, couldn't get it done. Manly were obviously in a dogfight and had to win. Yo-Yo Affair got themselves ahead, but again, couldn't get the job done. Um, and the other one was the Canberra Raiders, who we just spoke about, who had the opportunity with Penrith in Canberra, prime game, uh, heading into the night time there missing a couple of key players and ended up getting belted, to be honest. So what that's led to now and the wins from South and the Roosters and those above them, I'd probably say essentially now Canberra is the last team with a chance. Some would say mathematically, yes, Manly and Dragons are there, but they're on life support. The Dragons is is a situation of four and against is so bad, they're basically going to have to win out, I think. So I'm more than happy to probably say they're done. Manly has a slight chance, but I don't like it either. Um, if I'm being completely honest. And Canberra's is the fact of what we said before. I know we can't rely on the draw, but the draw they have coming in is the easiest of everybody. Realistically, they could go 4-0. But then you look at the circumstances of last week. Lose that game, lose their coach. Joe Tarpany, he's got a rib injury. Nick Kotrick got suspended, so it wasn't ideal. But I'm pretty sure on the run home, they've got Tigers, Dragons this weekend, who obviously will be fired up because this is their absolute last chance. They have to keep winning. Yeah. Manly, who's directly involved again, where their season's at after what's happened, I don't know, but it looks like a nail's been put in the coffin. And they've got the Tigers and Warriors, I think it was. 
So they got a great opportunity. Well, they play every team they play. I think is below them on the ladder. Yeah. So, so it could. You would think that they would win at least three of those four. Yeah, and that would force obviously the Roosters to have to come up with a couple of wins out of their more difficult games, and it'll force Brisbane to come up with some results as well. But Brisbane's draw similar deal, um, being yeah, too clear. Draws. No, I know that, but being too clear with better for and against, it's not just good enough to win. Obviously. Mm. So they've put themselves in a hard spot. The Roosters are their realistic chance of who the, the team they're going to catch. They're 140 points better off, but they play the Cowboys this weekend. Um, I think they've got the Storm maybe after that. The Tigers, which is winnable. Um, and then they finish off playing the Storm and South last round at the new stadium. So I think your only realistic option here if you're Canberra is it's the Roosters. Yeah. And that would be, yeah, under those circumstances. Because the Broncos on the flip side of that, too clear. They play the Dragons. They play Parramatta, which is a hard one. They play the Storm. So, again, there's probably two there. But this weekend, they're playing Newcastle. It's no guarantee after that with the Tigers. But realistically, you think they're at least going to win another game, which puts Canberra in that position where they're basically going to have to win out to guarantee <laughs> themselves a chance to play finals football this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so what's happened there? So you're thinking they need to go four and four. I'm thinking the Roosters will end up jagging another one of these games, plus the Tigers game. So I reckon they'll end up on 13, and I reckon Brisbane will at minimum end up 13-14. So I think they're going to have to go four from four. The only likely team they can push out would be yeah. um, the Roosters. South, <clears throat> I think South have got a tougher run home as well, and they're on 12. But again, the way they're playing yeah, right so now... We're looking at draws. I hate looking at draws. I know. They, they play, because you're assuming that the team's are going to win games that they're not going to win. I know. Eels... Panthers, so we'll keep looking at the draw. Cowboys, Roosters. So, yeah, there's there's options there. But, again, when we talk about uh, the Raiders, their pattern has been they won't win a game that they're supposed to and then they'll win a game you don't expect them yeah, to. But again. Realistically, um, the jostling for positions is now more so on the side of trying to figure out where these teams are going to land uh, on the ladder. And I think Penrith, we already know, we're pretty much certain he's to wrap it up. Some people last week were thinking about throwing a cheeky bet on the Cowboys at $23 or more to win the minor premiership. I thought that was going to take an absolute miracle. Penrith have already done uh, what people said they wouldn't do and win a game. Mm. And we said that as well. They'll probably win two or three more games. So yeah. that's well and truly clear. Looking at where they are now, the Cowboys, too clear uh, in terms of falling out of the top four. They almost look like they've got a spot sealed up. The Sharks looking more and more likely. And then there's a bit of a, a fight there between Storm, Eels, Rabbitohs, Broncos, the Roosters, maybe a little bit far away now considering their draw, but they play teams directly involved. So um, it's looking like a bit of a jostle there, maybe for just fourth position with the Storm, Eels, Souths and Brisbane. But plenty to still play out, luckily. Um, gives some point of interest in how things are going to pan out. I sort of wouldn't mind the draw finishing the way it is right now, to be honest. Or if anything, I think it'd be really good, and I don't want to talk my own team's downfall, but if Parramatta made the top four, they'd play Panthers week one. Yeah, it'd be unreal. And then you'd have the two teams that have emerged this year, playing at North Queensland, <clears> and the Cowboys <throat> and the Sharks. That would put the Storm down to play the Roosters week one. They've got a hell of a history in an elimination final, and it would tee up a third episode of Rabbitohs versus Broncos. And the Rabbitohs have certainly built nicely across the year and worked their way through some injuries in the origin period. And Brisbane, obviously, have built up nicely as well, but are now feeling a bit of the pinch. Yeah. So I think that would be an awesome week one if it panned out that way. But 
we'll wait and see if, how things finish up at the back end of the year. But yeah, the top eight looking a little more secured with a couple of those teams, I'm thinking now, not mathematically, but realistically eliminated from contention. But speaking of one of those teams, tackle three. Um, don't want to bring this up as a Storm fan, but it's something you probably have to talk about. Every week, it just seems like they take another hit. They struggled last week against the Gold Coast, and Jerome Hughes popped his shoulder out. They're saying now it's not looking as bad as what they initially thought, but they're not 100% sure, so potentially a couple more weeks out, which puts even more pressure on what is a depleted side. And then Felice Kafusi, um, you know, condolences and thoughts and prayers with his family. Uh, he went a couple of weeks ago and missed some games, obviously, with the, the health of his father. He's now passed away. So now Felice Kafusi's not going to be there, and they run independent this week. Off the back of what has been... Yeah, and a short turnaround as well for both Penrith and Melbourne into a Thursday. Mm. At Penrith. <clears throat> um, and then the other side of it, I guess, is they've thrown some arrows at each other over the past week, which has yeah. lit, lit the fuse with uh, Brand, Brandy basically saying that every tackle emanated from Melbourne the last 20 years and thought that was common knowledge and he wasn't making anything up. And Cameron Smith obviously disagreed and had some comments. And then the CEO, Matt Tripp, went in with the bazooka and launched one at Penrith, basically mm. uh, really lighting the fuse there. So... <laughs> If you're a fan of either of those two teams, I'd highly suggest you get to Penrith Park this week, regardless of who's on the field, because I think it's going to be fairly spiteful. I don't mind it, yeah. I, mm. Look, I, I agree with some of the things that Brandy said, and I agree with some of the things that Smith said, and I probably agree with some of the things that Tripp said as well. They're, they're all got their own agenda, and they've all got their own pa- uh, patch that they're standing on and talking from, so I think it's just good for the game. It's good to have rivalries in the game. It's good to have teams that dislike each other. I, I, the game's been built on that across mm. you know 110 years. So well, this is certainly more the better. A good rivalry <clears throat> the last few years, probably since the COVID time. Yeah, they uh, had the hot run and they end up falling short to Melbourne. Then they got their revenge the year after, and now uh, this year, obviously throwing some slings and arrows back and forth. So, going to be an interesting game at Penrith Park or Blue Bet Stadium, aptly named. But uh, as far as Melbourne are concerned, if Hughes misses an extended period of time, uh, I know Meany's come back in this week. Alam had COVID, but yeah, that, that that's one I don't think they could recover from. We're talking about the other players already <laughs> missing in your Welchers, your Pappenhausens, um, Remus Smith, etc., and losing guys here and there. But if you lose somebody of the importance in the spine again of Jerome Hughes, and it's got to be a Cooper Johns or Wishart or Munster back to one, and those two guys playing the halves for this year, I'd more than happily put a pen through. The storm. I'd already don't think they're a premiership threat with the injuries they've got. But yeah, but I mean, we're judging them on what they're doing now. They're, they're similar to Parramatta for me. Melbourne will be a different team in the finals. Mm-hmm. They always are. I know. Tell my, me the last time that Melbourne shut the bed and gone out my, the back door my, in the finals. Mine's not even based really off that. I honestly do think this year that there are some guys that they are moving on that it's probably the right time. Like mm-hmm. I haven't really been overly impressed by some of our forwards, and it's mostly guys that are heading to Redcliffe. I think the only one who's still sort of playing to a level that I think you'd look at is Felice Cafusi. Mm. I think Jesse is definitely getting past that best point. The only issue there is next year, if Welch isn't healthy again, you've basically got Nelson and not much else. They're bringing in Tarek on a one-year veteran-type deal. They've got a couple of young guys that haven't played a lot of footy on the edges they're going to be relying on. So certainly going to be a very young and revamped forward pack. But I just don't think this year... It's, with those spine guys, you know, I think you can compensate a little bit for the forward pack. But as they've slowly fell out one by one... I look at it more now and I get more worried. It's not just the spine. I'm, I'm not as convinced in our forward pack. Yeah. So that's fair. Um, there's more holes than what there's been in the past, but we'll have to see. Again, like, it just seems like every week we're talking about Parramatta and Melbourne and oh, I don't know whether they can win it, but really, let's just see what happens when they get there. We will. 
and you probably don't want to talk about this point as well, but I'm still going to bring it up. Tackle four for me. Souths and the Roosters are warming nicely at the right time. Yeah, they are. Um, mm. You obviously had the Roosters go through a lot of ups and downs during the year. Injuries, guys have been in and out every single couple of weeks. Kiri's been in and out, different halves, combinations, different guys played at hooker. Um, they've moved Marner around. You've had the origin period that they had to deal with. There some injuries in their forwards. Jared missed an extended period. Other guys have been in and out. You've had Tokiaho in and out and up and down with his form, but this last month plus, probably starting from that Penrith game, you got a glimpse of what you sort of thought you may see this season. Um, and they've certainly carried that on. They're starting to come into their own, and you're seeing more of what you wanted to, especially from their forward pack. I thought their forward pack the other night just blew Brisbane off the park, mm. and that opened things up for Kiri to dictate. And the way they're getting Marner involved now more of Tedesco and Veros has had a terrible run as well. I thought he's been playing some good footy before he caught the head knock. But between them and then South, we've been waiting for Latrell before we judged him. As soon as Latrell jumped back in, we've already talked about it. Pressure off Ilias, open things back up for Walker. His confidence come back. Better set starts, more confidence as a whole. Their forward packs lifted immensely. There's a lot of guys in there that I thought were playing under their best. But they, these two, I think, bring a real point of interest with what we talked about last week with a couple of injuries and suspensions around some of these other teams for this run home. Because them coming good at the right time means this could be one of the best, the most open final series. Yeah, well, particularly, like you say, when we could have... Well, you're going to have one of either Melbourne, Parramatta in the bottom four, and then you could have Roosters, Broncos, right, Rabbitohs. Roosters, so, and they're South, all teams Roosters, that Broncos. have beaten teams in the top four. So hmm, a lot of people like to, uh, you know, are saying that Penrith got up, you know, run and done, but... Last year, a lot of people thought that as well, and they stumbled in week one, and yeah, well, you know, they had, had to battle, in a row, they had to battle right, right through, didn't they? So Melbourne won nineteen mm, games in a row, set a record. And that's what I keep saying. Just, you know, let's see what happens in the next month because there's a lot to play out in regards to suspensions and injuries, and then yeah, the finals is just a different ball game, different level of pressure, different level of intensity. It's it's going to be unreal. I agree. I, I mm. like how the eight is forming up. And, you know, Canberra, if, if you could include Canberra in there, I think they, irrespective of whether they get in or not, I think if they do get in, they're going to be just as dangerous as any team. Well, honestly, how it is right now, I want it to stay. I think that's an outstanding final series. I think it's some good matchups. There's a lot. The, every one of those games I'd be keen to watch. Yeah, definitely. I, it's Yeah, I'm hoping it's going to be one of the best final series we've ever seen. Tackle five, this one I don't want to talk about so much in the context of Tigers because people get sick of hearing about it. I'm, I'm more interested in this story, not in the sense of what's happening with West, but the fact that the contract rules change, and that's the talk around Isaiah Papali'i possibly wanting to get out of that deal. But I thought this was the whole point of us bringing in the 10-day cooling-off period. So they're talking earlier about the comments he made today. A lot of talk recently, and I talked imagine this and that and the other. Well, the whole point of this cooling-off period was to take away this option. Mm. That once you made that decision, you had your 10 days, unless you had a clause about a coach or something else changing the club or someone being fired, you were locked in. So the, the talk about him, you know, backflipping or going to Parramatta, and I'm, I'm, I see the other side of it, where if I'm a club and I've paid somebody, and I, again, I, I'm disappointed now that it's coming out, do you really want somebody coming on premium dollar who doesn't want to beat your club? But at the same time, you've made that recruitment decision. That player's committed to you. You're in a position right now where I stand by what I said earlier on, where if this is the circumstance that he does want to go to Parramatta and he is going to try and backflip and they see, okay, well, we don't want this guy coming here if he doesn't want to be here. He's a hell of a player. You'd certainly want him, but there's no way I'm just letting him go. Those rules were brought in for a reason. 
So I'm looking at Parramatta going, what have you got for me? You're the one who didn't make the contract off in the first place. And I don't feel sorry for Parramatta at all. And I don't feel sorry for him at all. Because if it was the coach that was such a worry, that's a clause that players can put in a deal. If yeah. I don't feel sorry for Parramatta, because I said at the time, they fucked up with the offer. They lowballed him. And now they're probably regretting it too, because he's one of the best back rows in the competition. So if I'm the West Tigers, under the current circumstances, hearing this talk just bothers me because I thought these rules were brought in for that reason. To take away the option to bail or backflip or sign the heads of agreement, then your formal contract and get out. This was supposed to airtight things. So if I have him legally bound already, I'm ringing Parramatta and go, what have you got for me? Yeah. Cash, players, what are we doing? You got a couple of juniors for me? You got something? Because there's no fucking way I'm letting Isaiah Papali just walk away. The other talk was he was possibly interested in going back to the Warriors, which I find interesting because the Warriors were the ones who somewhat isolated him and weren't that keen to develop him, and he left there to become what he's become now. So I don't really see why you'd go home now. There's some talk of a partner, and I know his mum and that are there, which is sort of interested, but, you know, the, the motivations of that, would that be just to get away from the Tigers? Because at the end of the day, even if that was the best offer of all the clubs, and we talked about this at the time, he limited himself by saying he wanted to stay in Sydney. So that's also hypocritical on the comments at that time if he was now willing to go back to New Zealand. Because originally he wasn't willing to talk to Melbourne, Queensland teams, or any of the other regional teams that had to be in Sydney. Yeah. So I'm very confused. But this process was supposed to be airtight now after this. So where would you be if the Tigers? Do you agree with my circumstance that you've now got someone legally bound? If he wanted out, it'd only be under circumstances that benefit you. Would you let somebody go just purely no for the fact no that... No way. He signed a contract. He had the cooling off period, like you said. That's what I thought it was for. And I know they sacked Nadja after, and you can make the argument on that side. Well, even he, they've he done... He should have had a clause in his contract. And that was sort of my point. If that was such a worry point, you know the West Tigers are a fucking basket case. You should have probably had that clause inserted, that I'm coming here because I've played for Madge in the New Zealand national team, and he's the sole reason I'm coming here, what he sold me on. Yeah, it's also... The, the wider point here is just around why players can sign so early. It's ridiculous. We've gone over that. Yeah, we, we know the reasons. So for people make yeah, arguments people both that are, ways. But I, people I, that are long-term listeners will know our views on that. Right? Yeah, I, I keep hearing it the last few weeks, and I'm sort of like, well, I wanted him to stay there, but they didn't offer him the money, which is part but of the reason he's gone here. Thing, so. like the, the wider the gap or the longer the period that you can allow movement and signings, etc., the more things that actually change at a club. So you could sign at this point in time, like you're saying. Since then... The Tigers have played yeah. horrendously. They've sucked their coach. Well, like we said, we can get There's out of this rabbit hole and players that... talk about injuries and yeah. what happened this, and then I get low board. I don't get like... Because whether you like it or not. I see both whether, sides. Whether our fans like it or not, Madge McGuire and Tim Sheens are completely different coaches. 100% they are. And it's not even that. He's also probably looking at other things that have happened since. Well, he's looking at him going... In terms of other decisions. And now the coaching structure and everything and where he was. And even though they lowballed him a little bit, he's been winning games this year and playing football and he lives with Dylan Brown and he's got friends there and he's probably going, you know what, maybe I've fucked up here. Maybe I should have stayed even if it was a little bit less or maybe I should have held off the talks for a little bit, played the way he played again, which we are talking about. He certainly backed up his form last year, which seemed got the Dalian backer of the year or part of that team. And maybe Parramatta would have come to the party. Yeah. And they're certainly doing that now, but this is the problem. He ch- ch- pulled the trigger early. They weren't in early enough. He picked the Tigers and the circumstances are completely flipped, but... My main point of interest, like I said, keep hearing this, is this was the whole period point of that 10-day cooling-off period. So I only see one way out of this if I'm the Tigers. I don't want someone that doesn't want to be there, but I'm sure as hell not letting him go mm. purely for the fact now that he's had a change of heart. So 
I don't know if they had genuine interest in Nathan Brown, who they're trying to get rid of. They talked about it in the year. He was a former Tiger, but I've got plenty of needs if I'm the Tigers. Plenty of needs. So I'd certainly be interested to talk to Parramatta, but there's going to have to be some cash or players involved. Yeah. But, yeah, I just find that very, very interesting, that topic. But let's finish things off with Tackle 6, which is our power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Tackle your rising power wheels. Head on this season with the help of the team at Penrith Solar. They are passionate about helping you sin-bin your bills, putting money back in your back pocket. Find how they can make you the big winners this season with quality solar solutions, www.penrithsolar.com.au or call 1800-2930. Today, Jake and the crew, number one, it has not changed. And again, a great result on the weekend considering the troops they are missing, the Penrith Panthers. Yep. Number two, still got the Cowboys. Me too. Three, the Sharks. They've done it ugly two weeks in yep. a row, but they've still found a way. Um, four, I've now bumped up Parramatta. Yeah, I think I had power there at four last week. Mm-hmm. Five, I've got Souths. Yeah, it's where it gets difficult. Yeah, Souths. Yeah, well, you yeah. can make an argument. Yeah. Six, I've pushed the Roosters up. Yeah, me too. Seven, um, mainly because of the troops, I've stuck with the Broncos, barely. And eight, I've got the Storm. The, the yeah, news. I've of- got the Storm. Storm ahead of the Broncos, and I've got yeah. the Broncos ahead of the Raiders only just... Well, the news of Hughes and Felice for me for a few weeks, probably now, is going to hurt. So that sort of worries me a little bit. Brisbane, when you really think about it, besides Carrigan, I know Herbie's not there, but they've just sort of fell in a bit of a rut. The defensive effort's gone down. Their energy's gone down. Um, I don't know people talking about a bit of a hangover because they have plenty of players in origin, but they're playing team, oh, other teams that have also had a big contribution to origin. Cowboys are ticking along fine and have injuries and players missing. So that's sort of you know partly coaching, management, they rested some guys through that period. They had Reynolds miss some games and rest as well. So it's a bit interesting where they're at at the moment. Um, but, yeah, on the outside looking in, obviously probably the only one you've got now is the Raiders because mm. I don't think Manly and the Dragons are within touch. So there you go. Tackle six done there. The set of six completed and our power rankings brought to you by the Penrith Solar Centre. Let's jump in and review these games from the weekend. The Roosters over the Broncos, 34 to 16, um, and like I said before, they just blew them away in the middle of the field. First yeah. 15 minutes or so, they were absolutely relentless. Rui Hargraves and Lodge were just rolling through. Verrills looked sharp as well, and off the back of that, they've got Tedesco getting Marner involved around the football. Kiri played his best game of the year. That's vintage Luke Kiri. Some really nice options he was taking there. and you know, The job that Nat Butch has done is underrated and outstanding. Sawali, we've talked about this before. I thought the scarier part that he's already doing the physical side, that's usually the last thing that comes in a, a young bloke's game. But he already enjoys the physicality. Yeah. So the scarier part is he's going to get bigger, he's going to get stronger, he's going to get faster. He already ticks all the boxes in terms of his game, which is still going to improve. But usually it's that confidence or do I belong? He's ticked all that plus the physicality. He fucking loves physicality. Um, Crichton playing some good footy as well, but yeah, I, I, probably my biggest point of this that I enjoyed, and you can see just a change in their whole mentality. <coughs> Sam Walker at one point there overcalled when they had the Broncos shot to bits for just before the Crichton try, if you go watch it on the video. And I think he, he must have overcalled. They're, they're at the posts. Brisbane have only got like three on the open side, and they've got Kiri, Tedesco, Martin, who's like, they've got like seven on three. Mm. Something ridiculous, and they're calling it. He's obviously used an overcall or a hot call, as we call it, which is just a, mat, a word 
whether it be hot, steamy, whatever the fuck you want to say, which basically means the nine has to throw it to me. Walker, I don't know what he was looking at. He's caught it on a loaded short side with about seven blokes in front of him and only three or four Roosters players and got someone murdered. They still find a way to get back to the left-hand edge, isolate Reynolds, which they did a great job of all night. They really teed off on him. Well, they, they isolated. Did a fantastic job yeah. of isolating both halves. Yeah, 100%. They batted both of them. There was 14 missed tackles between the two of them, but Crichton gets over Reynolds in this instinct. And if you go look on Fox or look at the replay, the shot of the close-up, Brea Hargraves turns around, points to his head and sprays him. Then two seconds later, you've got Radley turning around, basically <clears> saying, use your F and I. So a couple of the key guys there, you know, keeping him in check about what they're expecting of him. And some people say that might be a little bit harsh, but they're really trying to ramp up and accelerate his education, I guess. They had high hopes for him. They've put him through um, that system last year, got plenty of games under his belt, and now we're into year two and three years, basically, in the system. They've obviously got expectations that he needs to do better um, in the position he's in and, and moving forward. Mm. But I, I really like what I'm seeing at the Roosters right now. We're, we're starting yeah, to see what we talked about and... If Tokyo can get back healthy, if Collins can stop getting KO'd, he's had a real bad run this year. Whether he gets back, I don't know. Butcher, Egan as well, on top of that, had some good games. He's back from suspension. Add a few more of those guys back into their rotation and, and get close to their best 17 with no more injuries. I don't know if I could say they're a smoky, but I saw enough there against Penrith that night to think if, if they get their best football on come finals time, that, that that's, that's a dangerous team. Definitely, yeah. That's a real dangerous team, and... For Brisbane, I guess our worries are what we said there. They've been so dominant with their forwards, and even without Carrigan, still got Flegler, Haas, Catewell, Origin forwards, good pair of halves. Now that combination between Reynolds and uh, Mim, and they, they just got bullied. They got blown off the park. Mm. Reynolds got battered. Mim got battered. Pulled yeah, the edges they, apart. They, they, like you said, they, they couldn't win the ruck. They couldn't control the no. speed of the game. Struggled the yardage. They just all of it. Out physical. They offloaded the ball. They had more possession. They ran all over them. And I think the biggest thing to bring up physical, like again, you said with Sawali, here for like the third or fourth week, Roosters still only completed at 66% and made 16 errors. Who cares? No, but I'm saying more points, more yeah. possession, more dominance if you hold the ball. Like mm. They're still completing awfully, which they have a few times now, but they're yeah, getting but back. attack is more potent. And they're getting back that physicality though right. as well. And they're winning play one, two on both ends of the field. So some real good signs there um, for the Roosters side of things. But we'll move on from that one. Storm Titans, uh, it was ugly, that's for sure. And it didn't get any better, like I said, for Melbourne. Ended up losing Jerome Hughes and, and the reshuffle there. And I know some people might be saying, well, you know, that's why Munster should play fullback. But against the better side moving forward, I think you have to have him up front helping out. I don't know if against the Penrith or the Cowboys or the Roosters or the teams they've got on the run home, if he's at the back and you're playing a better forward pack, blokes that can actually play over the top of you or get you on the back foot that we're going to be able to rely on Wishart and Cooper Johns to play in the halves. That's the main issue. Against yeah. a team like the Gold Coast Titans, no offence, but I think you'd agree, you can probably compromise a little bit there and he had a field day playing at the back. And I said at the time when they moved him to six, I really did like him as a fullback. I know it's worked out very, very well. He's been just as good at six at, at one. <clears> but <throat> the best part of his game is his running game. And at fullback, he has to run. Mm. And you could see that. He scored a hat-trick. He... Just absolutely had a field day, but I just don't know if on the run home, if you're missing Hughes, that you could rely on Cooper Johns and Wishard or Cooper Johns and Pezzett or whichever combination they wanted to go to and leave Munster at the back if they were playing off the back foot or playing up against the better side. And they're going to look for him, obviously. They're not going to be scared of those halves. You're going to spot him up wherever he is. They're going to be better defensively, whether it be a Roosters, the Panthers, the Cowboys, etc. I, I think for the betterment of them on the run home, Meany's back this week. 
he moves into the halves, he'd have to be somewhere in the halves helping kick and control why Hughes is not there. Yeah. Um, but in this game, it was a bit of the same old, same old. They had a real dominant period at the start where they carved up the Titans' right edge, which has been a problem all year. Um, Cooper, I thought, did an admirable job, one of his best games in first grade. And Ford laid a decent platform. Harry Grant was dangerous, and Munster clearly had a field day, but they hit a bit of a rut themselves when they lost Hughes and had some errors, and the Gold Coast came after him uh, for probably a 20-minute period there. And on the back of that, it just sort of flipped again, where Melbourne finished them off at the back end, getting a couple of tries. Yeah, it looked like Melbourne were getting bored. And they just couldn't concentrate. They also, they, they've got inexperienced players in their team at the moment. They're not, they're not the same clinical and ruthless team that they were via experience. They now got a lot of inexperience, so yeah, you got to take that into cons- uh, consideration as well. Yeah, uh, it's a bit of the same old, um, I guess, for the the Gold Coast side of things. Tino. Always does his job. Always pretty good. Uh, I thought for more had a couple of nice moments again. Tanner had a couple of nice moments, and, and Brimson has those spots as well. But yeah, for Melbourne, no surprise. It was Munster. Um, you know, Harry Grant, Cooper's best game in first grade, and I thought Nofalim was very good for us in his first hit out as well. Yeah, certainly brought a lot of energy, good yardage, and even more interested this week now that obviously Coates is back, Alan's back from COVID, Nofaluma and Meany. It's probably the best backline they're going to put out um, for the rest of the year. The Seve spot, if he makes any moves on that for the back end of the year, I don't know, but he's stuck with him now for the majority of that period, so I think he obviously thinks that's his his best option there. Mm. Um, I thought he might have considered moving Coates in and rolling someone else onto the wing, but by the looks of it, that's not going to be the case. So um, if this is their best back line now, minus Hughes, and hopefully that's only a two-week injury, that this would be their best one to seven if Hughes was included, hopefully. But we'll get a look at that. Um, in terms of forwards and getting anyone else back, not sure. The arrow still has an indefinite tag on him. Welch, they said they were going to announce in the next week or two, finally, whether his season's over or not. Mm. Um, because they weren't sure whether he was going to be able to get back in time. Still haven't heard anything, but it's not looking good, I don't think, for him to play. And again, off the back of that type of injury, it's going to take weeks to get back to the sort of form he was playing in when he was one of the best front rows in the competition. So, big ask, but... Good win um, for them, I guess. You just They just needed a win. They've got two in a row now against teams that they should beat. And for the Titans, horrible injury to Aaron Booth, who's former Storm player. That was horrific. Mm. Um, and overall, like we said, I think for them, just mm. looking mm. to finish the year off. And we're looking for clarity out of the club. Uh, for bio reports in the background, they're going to support Holbrook and they're going to try and get some more people in to help Yeah. Um, and move forward. Foreign... They would have had their heart in their mouth on the weekend. He got injured. It turns out it's just a hamstring for now. I thought it might have been a knee <coughs> or something else and thought the curse of Kieran Foran's returning after a couple of years of health just before mm. he exits the club, he's going to rock up with a blown ACL or something else on big money. But it turns out it's just a hammy. So um, hopefully they can make a few more moves, bar Kieran Foran to try and boost and help out next year with that spine, whether it is a sexton or a tenner boy. Yeah, it'd be good. Uh, but we move on from that one. And we've got the Manly versus... Para game. This was a very, very weird game. Um, 36-20, the final score. To start off with, they just carved them up on that left-hand edge a few times. And 8-0, Gutherson couldn't kick a barn door, thinking from there this is going to be an absolute bloodbath. But they basically torched each other's right edges with their left-side attack. When they started shifting early, out of yardage and getting early football and one-on-ones there, Parramatta were just backpedaling that new combination where they flipped Wanga Blake over there <clears> with Penasini and Arthur. They're all disconnected. Some were coming up, some were holding, 
Saab, Morgan Harper were just having a field day, just eating up yardage. Um, they've scored a couple of tries off the back of it, found a penalty goal, got into half time at 14 all, and then the second half they get that first try with Tui Pelotu. And you sort of sit there going, is this one that Parramatta's going to let go here and Manly's going to hold on and cling to that last little bit of finals hope they got. But Dylan Brown, just next level in this game, he was outstanding. They just torched him. Yeah. Four tries at the back end of the game. He had his hand on a lot of them. Um, his performance on the night probably goes back to something and, and why I said last week I couldn't believe they were outside of the bookies. It might have been two years ago. Moses missed like the last... At some point in the season there, he missed an extended period. And with Brown, they were almost undefeated. Yeah. They struggled when Moses came back in because it sort of ruined the whole flow of things and the way they had it going. Um, they certainly... I'm not saying they didn't miss him, but they certainly didn't miss a beat with Dylan taking over more responsibility and being the dominant playmaker. No. Um, and his running game, that, that's the one thing we complain about. Moses, I know physically he's probably more imposing, but he's so strong and he's bright. he doesn't have... Uh, I, I, he's a more he's definitely more skillful than Fire, but how deep he gets in the line reminds me of early Kieran Fire. I know the rules have been cleaned up, so people can't tag a teasy him like what happened to Fire, or you can't get hit the way you did from the inside there. But the way in particular he attacks since they've got him back on the left with Sean Lane, he gets that deep in the line and puts Sean Lane, who's an absolute giraffe, on blokes who are just holding and grabbing what they can get. And they generally end up going low and it's a half or a back rower, and that allows Lane to get his arm free. Lane got his arm free a couple of times again the other night for opportunities. He baked the inside shoulder of Tolatau Kula, who's generally a fullback, not a centre. Ran past him a couple of times, set up a few tries. His form in general this year, him as a player, and I've said it to you before, for Parramatta fans when they're talking about this extension for Moses and Dylan Brown's off next year and who would you rather keep? For me, it's an no-brainer. Mm. If you set him in tomorrow, you can only keep one of them. I'm keeping Dylan Brown. That's just me. And that's not saying Moses isn't a good player, but... I think Brown, even the last few years, they've catered things to Moses. They swapped edges. They put him on the right. They tried to use him better to plug up the defensive issue. They tried to give Moses the left side, which the year before had three times as many try assists. It seems like a lot of things have been more tailored to what Mitchell Moses does, but there's been that example without him where they've gone well with Brown. We've seen again on the weekend they do very well with Brown. I think he's a hell of a football player. But Lane's certainly back. Because he is, mate. Yeah. Certainly back to some of his best form as well. Uh, good to see. And their forward pack was immense. Campbell Gillard, Paulo, etc. Mattis, all those guys absolutely mowed through Manly. And uh, I guess for Manly, it's it's a bit hard. It's been an up and down year. The the Tommy curveball and the depth that we talk about, it always hurts when he goes out. They don't have great depth. And then the issue the other week, that loss plus this loss probably puts a nail in the coffin. So uh, really want to know where that physicality come from the other night from Saab. He basically been really against getting into the dirty work, but he had a B under his bonnet the other night. Mm. I thought that was one of his better games in grade. Harper agree, yeah. um, was, was better and one of his better games as well. And Yeah, uh, overall, it was a hard night. But, you know, when you miss almost 40 tackles to 16, make twice as many errors. And that yo-yo affair, like I said, they had some, had some good moments in attack, but they also got peeled open way too easy. And Dylan Brown was a big reason for that. Um, so yeah Parramatta again their best is a 10 out of 10 their worst can be a minus 3 we we just don't know <laughs> just don't know what you're going to get but that's right mate there was uh, more good Parramatta than bad Parramatta South Warriors uh, I could pretty much sum this one up it was a fucking bloodbath it was huh. 36-6 at half time Cameron Murray had a field day um, he was look, outstanding <clears throat> the, the way he played at a different level Bill well, played offloads yeah 
footwork. It's what we've talked about before, though. It's not a knock, but at origin level, picking these all these guys and playing in the back row and all these different spots, I just don't understand why we can't play him as his best role. Mm. I prefer him for New South Wales off the bench as a mobile middle. Just not taking Yo off, I'd still play Yo for 80, but if he comes on as a prop per se, but just a middle, to bring extra leg speed, a leg speed and go to small ball or a combination swap with a Paulo on him or whoever you want to bring off the bench at that period of time, He's he's a middle. I don't care what anyone says. He can play those other spots. He could cover nine. He could play center if you need to. He could defend it back row. He's an amazing footballer, but you see his absolute best in the middle. His footwork is premium. He finds spaces, not faces as we talk about. He's built low to the ground. He's awkward. He's slowly but surely adding a bit more of a passing game. He's got an offload, and we've been saying it since day dot. He's got the quickest player of all in the competition, mm. and he just thrived the other day against a sluggish forward pack and a team that's, again, looking for the finish line. So he produced a couple of try assists and was absolutely dominant around that middle. The whole forward pack in general was great. Toller, since he's been back in form, has been huge. Arrows playing some better football. Again, Like they've really stepped up as a whole. And it was one of those days where you thought it was probably going to be a Johnston 4 or 5 bag. It turned out the complete opposite. They yeah, really, I think he had one disallowed. Yeah, they, they didn't really get that left edge as much as you'd think, though. Like they had that they one. They played where, through, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. So they didn't need to. Mm. They got the troll in that basketball pass that one time where they had that smooth left edge. But for the most part, like when you kick it in the front door, you just keep going there. Mm. And that's what they did. They poured through the middle of the field. Yeah. Um, even the trolls tries, like one there, he beat four or five. He poured through the middle. Um, and, and a great day for Isaac Thompson, who was a former player during the under-20s era at the Dragons. He was the huge centre who had all the wraps on him in the world and then he just fell off the face of the earth. He actually quit, I think, for a few years. Mm. He was a big talent and he's made his way back over the last couple of years through Massey to cup level to play in NRL. He's been the leading try scorer in the New South Wales Cup. Who was he playing Ron Massey? I don't know. I think he got his first start back in, though, just when he come back. But he was, I think, team of the year. I might be wrong or close to when he was at the Dragons. He was this monstrous 18-year-old centre. But for some reason, I haven't looked further into it, but I'm pretty sure someone said he just quit. Yeah, right. Or he stopped. So I don't know what happened, but... Well, we played him, what, three weeks ago? He's a beast. Yeah, he was a massive human. That, Preview on him was... Yeah. yeah. sort of going, wow. And that talent's come How back. this guy playing first grade? Exactly. And he, he would have been, so I don't know what's happened, but he found his way back to love and footy. Mm. He was leading the New South Wales Cup in tries. Um, he, like I said, he was a dominant centre. They're now using him as a winger and in the modern game with his sort of frame, aerial, physical. Um, he came up with a corker finish down that right-hand touchline when the troll threw a nice pass to him. It wasn't an easy one, but, um, you know, I think 25 now gets his debut and uh, a really nice day for him. We, we love seeing those moments where guys find their way back and especially when they get to have a very happy day on their debut. So that was certainly yeah. that for him. Good to see. For South, chalk up another win, chalk up some good for and against and, and build some more confidence. It was a good day. For a lot of guys to, uh, you know, get some confidence. Ilias, again, building those combinations a bit more with Cody and the trail and their forward pack like we talked about. Outstanding. But probably summing up like you were saying, Latrell only had nine runs, but two tries, two try assists, three line break assists. Every touch was just quality. Yeah. Cameron Murray had a million touches, but similar deal again. Three try assists, three offloads. They they murdered him with second phase. 17 offloads to six. 60-40 possession, like 2,000... 100 metres to 1,300. It was just one-way traffic. Um, hmm. I dare say, for the Warriors, the last big sort of effort I think we're going to see from them may be last round against the Titans at home because that'll be the big conclusion, the big farewell. They, they're home again this week. They've got the Bulldogs under pretty good circumstances, really. Short turnaround coming from Bundaberg. 
So I think they had a delay at Brisbane, then they've flown in, got in late yesterday, and then they've got to play early Friday night. Um, but again, the Bulldogs actually been playing some good footy. Been so big ask for them. Um, but yeah, for the Warriors, <coughs> I don't know. I, I think they might limp home until that last round and then really go out with a bang. But Maybe, yeah. We'll have to wait and see. Um, One play, uh, player I will give a rap for them, and it's been a bit random. He didn't play a lot earlier in the year. He's been there for a couple of years. A couple of guys seem to have done this, like a Curran who found a career over there or found his time. Jack Murchie. I think Murchie, since he's got in and got some games, good he's player. actually been pretty good the last few weeks. And Solid player, mate. I know people say, oh, you know, and I've said a lot, like funny when they're off contract, but it's a younger guy, couldn't get around at the Cambridge system. He's been there under tough circumstances the whole time, but with his opportunity at the back end of the year with a lot of these guys, you know, already sort of packing things up, I think he's really throwing his hand up there for somebody out there for a top 30 spot. Like, mm. He's someone I'd look at if you're short on the edges and, you know, look, looking to develop or work with somebody. It's not a bad play. Yeah. Uh, moving on from that, that one. Panthers and the Raiders, no Cleary, no Luai, no Kikio, no Warriors. And for Canberra, not only, like we said, the moment afterwards, which took away probably more focus from the win in the game, but they lost to Pine. Sutton probably in the protocol after the swinging arm from Blacktown to Penrith from oh the fish, and um, you know they had a debutant because of the circumstances. Arthur Mariota, he come off the bench, yeah, um, you know, got involved early, got a busted mouth. So I'm pretty sure that was excited for the young bloke. But this one started off ugly, but once Penrith sort of worked their way through it and felt felt their way through the game, uh, I, I thought the guys that you'd expect to stand up and lead and control things did. Isaiah Yo was good. Arpi Coruscant, again, I think, keeps showing that he's going to be sorely, sorely missed. He had a huge impact on this game, and Dylan, the crash dummy, Edwards, just kept turning up for some more punishment, and fuck me, how he hasn't broken down yet, I don't know. He just gets punished, but... He keeps he, doing it, though, doesn't he? Oh, I know, but surely, you know, I had a Panther fan the other day to go to me about the run home and what they're doing and winning all these games. I'm like, if I'm Ivan, the next few weeks, I just roll through those guys and give them a rest in gluts. Like, Dylan Edwards surely needs a week off. Mm. He's just been battered from pillar to post. He's been outstanding, but between him, Fish is naturally getting his week off now. He's been suspended. He he played a lot of football off the back of that injury and playing for New Zealand. Taylor and May and Isaac Tago have played a full year of first grade without missing any games. I'd probably give them a week off. There's a lot of guys here. I think they're in a position where they could roll two or three out every week. And mm. you see it with kick out this week. He's had an outstanding year. He's played some really good football. Any report I had that was the injury wasn't severe enough to stop him from playing. But why risk it? And that's the position they're in. Mm. Roll a few more of these guys through. They've been playing so good for you in Cup. Get them all another game or two before the back end of the year. Rest these dudes and do the opposite of what they did last year where they went in all guns blazing. They played their way through the origin period bar one game and they come in with a lot of injuries and guys under a cloud and lost week one. And that they fought their way for the title very, very much under duress and, and hard circumstances physically. But even Tyre, I looked at Tyre the other week and he was limping, looked a bit on the weather like, they're in such a good position not to rest them all in big clumps but just roll a few out each week yeah I, I'd really do it um, but for Canberra this is again like I said it's one of those ones where you talk about it at home team missing some troops great opportunity in front of your home fans to take advantage and again just difference in performance in between the 80 minutes and week to week you just can't rely on Canberra no you really can't no they just didn't really give themselves a chance in this match. No. Um, you know, some guys were good. Like, I thought Papa Lee stepped up after Tarpany went off. and yeah, Especially his start. That was a good start from 
um, yeah. Tarpany and Papali. You know, you had Hudson Young, who's been in a pretty decent vein of form, but in terms of what, you know, you wanted to get any opportunities, they got like Fogarty built some pressure and got him some repeat sets. Penrith just do what they do so well, regardless of who's there. They defend so well, they absorb pressure, and then they flipped it on them. And when they got their opportunities, they took them. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, like I said, the real assault in the wounds would have been at the back end of the game where Jamie Salmon got to score the last try and then the ensuing loss and the emotions of everything. And that bloke led to, you know, probably even more anger in Ricky Stewart and those comments we talked about earlier in the, the post-match press comments. And more so, again, the realisation of a missed opportunity and just everything sort of rolled into one. But mm. now I'm for Penrith. Good situation, again, to see what you've got and see what you, you, the guys in your squad that you can roll in and rely to do a job. So coming to finals... Yeah, I'd really be looking, again, to roll some guys in and out, get some more football, and know, like they're sort of saying here now, that if you need to rely on some of these guys, you can. And that's a real positive position to be in. Of course, yeah. Absolutely. That's the only do-over I think they'd want from last year to come in a bit physically better off, and you're never going to be in a better position than they are now to do so, given the circumstances they're in. But we move on from that one. Sharks, Dragons, this again was a strange game it, and it's the second week in a row where just an abundance of errors. <coughs> Cronulla made 19 and found a way to win again and it was just any time they found an advantage they gave it back to the Dragons. Mm. Dropped the football, Jack DeBellin scores off a kick error, Lockie Miller has to you know clean up a bomb and give him an opportunity where they score straight away down there. Almost every one of the tries was an opportunity where the Cronulla just kept handing out possession, good ball up that end of the field and over and over again and inviting them in the game. And that's probably the sadder part is their attack, the Dragons, is just fucking pedestrian. Like, in the critical set to finish the game, they went one out, one out, back row, crash, back row, crash, error. Everything leading up to that in good ball, similar deal. Three set-up plays for one shift shot off a slow play of the ball, a roll on Aaron Woodson who falls over on the ground and's too busy trying to fucking milk a penalty and tie him up with his legs and... Then we'll try and shift off flat shape with inside pressure, and I was like, "Yeah." And, and again, like you carry Sloan for what? You put him on a little bit earlier this week, but you've sat him for sixty minutes, and then you want him to come into a game at a crunch time and come up with a play. Uh, yeah, well, I don't know. It's <laughs> it's hard to make a lot out of it. Like, and and you probably can explain this better than me. But what what even bothers me more, even off some of those one outs and having three plays to set up, they have no secondary shape either. Like in terms of off the back of a lead or an off like it's set up for the next play, set up for the next play, crash, crash, crash. I'm like, what are you doing? Mm. What are we doing? What are, what are you trying to achieve here? Yeah, all secondary shape means is that when you're moving on a play, that you legitimately can pull them apart, whether it's with a short pass or a long pass, you've got movement across the width of the field. Mm. You're not just giving it to one person. And that's what to get into a spot, which yeah. is they're in good ball, but even off the back of it, I'm looking going, well, they don't even set up for the next play though. Like, the hit up's there, mm. and it's just a flat diagonal line. There's no variations. Yeah. Not, there's nothing off it. I'm, I, I don't understand how it takes so much. Like when you do this full time to come up with more. Well, but than... they, it, it's just what their identity is. Their identity is that power game. Yeah, well, it's not working. Mm. Um, Talk this week as well that McCulloch might finish and, up in... and Whiten like. I think Whiten's the key to their attack. You talking about the Raiders now? Mm. I'm talking about the Dragons. Yeah. What are you talking yeah, about, mate? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> You've lost me there. No. Talk about the Dragons. Ben Hunt's Whiten's the key to their attack. Um, that's who I was thinking. Ben yeah. Hunt. Jesus. 
Well, Jack White and Ben Hunt. Last game. Jack White and Ben Hunt. Last game, mate. I've got them mixed up, mate. Yeah, Ben Hunt. Jeez, is I kid. really need to sit down and lay off the schooners, mate. Yeah, mate. You're a bit. Pink. Nah, yes, I meant I meant Ben Hunt. Yeah, yeah, he's he's certainly the key to their attack, particularly because he's their best ball player, and I I also think he's probably their best ball runner. Yeah. So, you know, usually you can differentiate your attack by having you know your best ball runner on one side, your best ball player on the other side where you can stack them and link them up together, which gives you that different look and it keeps the defence guessing. But, well, yeah, I think that there's a few changes that I'd make to the Dragons just in terms of the makeup of their team to make them more dangerous. But well, nine's it's not one my, of them. It's not my job to do that. And yeah. we've said that as well about McCulloch. You know, they how they come up with a three-year deal for a guy who's certainly been a great player, but the way the game was even played, I know the rules have sort of come back a little bit, has moved away from where he is. He's no threat at dummy half. Yeah. So the talk that he might retire early and they're looking at Verrills and a few other options, certainly an upgrade on what they're doing right now. Mm. Um, if they're not willing to look elsewhere and don't have something within their system. I think, again, the other side of it, like we've talked about, to, to roll out what they have this year and in terms of a George Burgess, so let's not talk about... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Circumstances off the field now, but he barely played for him. And mm-hmm. Aaron Woods and... Some of the deals they've handed out and what the plan is, like we've talked about so many times, I just, I just don't see it. Yeah. I really don't see it. And the fact they're willing to drop Sloan and Sullivan constantly, but you've stuck with them home regardless of what he's done. And he's had some really good moments, but you've actually given him the chance to grow, develop, and learn. Yeah. And again, on the weekend, he got beat a couple of times. Like they, they aim it up on him defensively. They try to aim at his inside outside shoulders and force him to make decisions. And that's all part of the process of learning because he's a 19 year old kid. But yeah. you need to do the same things. With a Sloan or like they gave Ramsey that time or a Sullivan and that conversation again for me needs to be had moving forward that they're probably going to pay Ben Hunt unless Ben Hunt definitely wants to move home. But if they do, is it to their betterment that they think about playing him where he plays for Queensland and Australia and play nine? No. And I know people say, well, they you know, they need someone steering or kicking and controlling. I still think from... First, uh, dummy half, he can have a lot of say on how the game is, and I still think he can get involved in the kicking game and have an impact. But if I'm him at the same time, is where the Dragons are right now, unless his plan is to live there long-term, which might be the case. If he's got any inkling to go home, I'd have a genuine interest, if I'm Ben Hunt, in talking to the Titans or the Dolphins. That would be me. I'd love to see him the Titans. Because I'm sitting there thinking, if I'm Ben Hunt, Dolphins... You know, we don't know what's quite going to happen with Munster, but they're in heavy for him. If not, they could go the other way. But on the flip side of that, I'm looking there and going, okay, Tino, see what happens with the Fafita contract. Foro might they be there for another 12 months, a couple of good young kids to play with. Don't know about the nine situation, but if I got in there and I've got for more and a couple of guys and I wanted to go home, mm. it's definitely not going to be Brisbane. But if one of those two might be an option if he wants to go home. Yeah. I'm still looking at the Dragons and I don't know what, what really is the plan moving Please forward. Please come to the Gold Coast. The whole staff clean out, and again this week, James Graham, and there's probably more to come, and what their plan is there, I, I'm not getting any of it. I'm really not. Um, but 
on terms of the shark side of things, I guess the one thing you can point to here is they conceded, but mostly through errors, repeats, absorbed pressure, and like a clean drop. Mm. There wasn't a whole lot that the Dragons probably really did to them. They hurt themselves, but they find a way to win. But your big concern, I guess, if you're Craig Fitzgibbon, is why there's such good patches of football at time. There's also the risk that comes with that. And if they're going to be making 18, 19, 20 errors in the finals, they're going to get beaten by somebody like the Roosters or a Cowboys or Melbourne. They'll get lit up. And it's not going to be, yeah, four points or hold on. They're going to get fucking torched. Yeah. So really good parts there. I thought Hines and Trindle first half just running, getting to those edges. Both scored similar tries on line where that's a similar deal for Dragons. It's like passive and sliding on your line. You can't do it. No. The fact that Trindle was able to basically launch himself diagonally, not even getting off square... 10 metres and pour through a hole. Um, his quality, that double pump for Wade Graham, which then led to a forward pass. Like he had some really good moments. And I said it the other week, if there's a club out there, same deal, looking for a half. The fact that it's kept Moylan, I'd be banging on the door to take Braden Trent off them. Oh, yeah. Like, fuck, you, Absolutely. Could, you could do it. I, I said it at the start of the year as well. And that's not a knock on Moylan, um, but just money, where he is now, building for your future. I would have had Trindle and Hines. Hmm. And I know... Moylan's been good for him. They've ex- decided to extend him, but I, I and he was suspended for the first couple of rounds, which probably didn't help him. But really, internally looking at it, I think I'd prefer Trindle and Hines. But the proof's been in the pudding. They've gone that way, and we'll see if it. Yeah, it was more just how they started the year panned out, and then they won and played well. So they well, he was suspended for the first couple of games. That's I think, right. Trial. Yeah, it's just the way that it all sort of panned out. And it's out. only sort of now that he's got injured and he's got his opportunity. But I, I, looking at the weekend again, I think he offered. He, the one thing that worried me, and I said this before, is even Hines is getting better at it, but I think Trindle offers a much better kicking game than Moylan and more of a genuine seven, and he can goal kick, which I know Hines as well. But I just think there's a little bit more to it. And Defensively, he's probably something you can try and spot up, but Matt Moylan's no gun defender either. No. Um, I think Trindle's probably more reliable health-wise. I know this is probably the best year that Moylan's had health-wise, and now he's finally injured. It's taken all year to get to that point. Hmm. But I'll be interested to see if he's as hungry now that he's got a contract and a bit of security. Certainly, Fitzgibbon challenged him to prove him wrong, which he has. Yeah. But I just hope moving forward that if in the next year or two they have a good window or a good period here and it costs him Trinnell and he goes somewhere else, or I don't know how that all pans out or how patient he's willing to be. I just think if I'm a club who's struggling for a half and there's plenty that don't have good halves, Trindle is certainly someone I'd be inquiring about. That's fair. Um, but yeah, despite the ugly night. I'd they, be making the same inquiries, mate. Yeah. Hines and him were quite good. Uh, Nakora, very good game. Uh, Rudolph, big effort as well. And uh, yeah, for the Dragons, it's the same old, same old, I think. DeBellin's warmed into things a bit better at the back end of the year. Hunt, it's pretty good again. And I know Sims had that ugly moment early in the game, but he, his stint when he got back on was much more effective. But uh sad way for his Dragons career to end. Yeah. He's now suspended for the rest of the year. Yeah. There it was, was ugly. There it was, was no ugly. real malice. Like, he didn't wind it up like... The guy got chopped. He didn't dip his back. It was it was an accident. I know. I know. We said the other it's week. Still ugly though. I know. It was ugly when his head bounced off before. You don't want to see it. Yeah, well, he was knocked out before he hit the ground. He, he's going to have to adjust technique a little bit because he doesn't bend his back at all. And as soon as someone does get chopped at a level change like that, you're instantly in the zone there where you're going to crush someone's face. Like mm. he, he really doesn't have a whole lot of bend in his back at all when he comes into contact. Um, but yeah, pretty much like we said would be the end. Of the Dragon season, you'd think they really need to come home with a wet sail now. And um, impressive by K Docks as well on debut. Yeah, he's been very good in Cup. He was. Uh, We've he unfortunately was... had to come up against him twice, and 
He's a very, very classy player. Mm. Like we said before, you know you've got good depth and it's not going to last forever, which sort of interests me more for this year with the fact that they've got him, Trindle, Lachlan Miller, who was great in his one game at fullback, different role mm. on the wing on the weekend. But in 12 months' time, I don't think that's going to happen. Metcalf, Metcalf's going to be gone. Mm. People will sniff around Trindle. They've locked Dykes in, but there was interest around Miller at the start of the year from other clubs, even though he's got a year to run. So I don't know if they're going to be able to hold on to... <laughs> such good depth in all those spine positions for next season, yeah, which fair. makes a, key, a big difference, especially when they're unaffected by origin this year, realistically. Mm. Um, but we move on from that one. Cowboys Dogs 28-14. Did you see much of this one or did you have much thoughts? Like I, I thought the Bulldogs obviously they started well. come to play as they always have, mm. but um, you know the Cowboys, again, like really, really good post-origin. I know a little bit sloppy against the Tigers and shouldn't have got that result, but last week... Carve up the Dragons, get the job done here. Cotter's working his way back in. He was outstanding off the bench. You know, they lost McLean, who's apparently only a week or so away. So even after a heavy origin involvement and having a couple of guys injured, like, they're still playing good football. Mm. They're a good football team. Um, Late Lewis really settled in. Had a, a decent impact on the weekend. Drink water. That purple patch continues. Like, he's been great there. and you know, um, yeah, They're just a powerful team when they get possession and field position. They're really, really hard to stop. But they're agile. They're big. They've got offloads, second phase. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, that's been the cornerstone of their rise. But the fact that their defense is so good, it's giving them more opportunities in attack and more energy in attack. And his pack options now are great. Like you had McLean back in in a week's time, and imagine if Lukey never got hurt. I love Lukey. Mm. Like Griffin names emergence off the bench and his impact. He's starting to score tries. Cotter and that. Roll off the bench on the weekend, I think went almost 200 plus in 50 minutes. Yeah. McLean coming back with Tamalolo, he's now got Leilua buying into what they're doing and not parking him on a pretty edge all the time. He's got him playing up the middle and using footwork and passing. Like he's got versatility and the ability to maneuver and move guys in different spots in the forward pack or create mismatches and, and points of difference all over the field. Cohen Hess's transition to a middle and also about it back to the edge, like. Yeah, the, the combination, obviously, between the halves has been key. Drink water to bring a little bit more creativity, more so than those two, I guess, from the back and be that third option. Um, Hiku's signing was really over, underrated. They've just, yeah, they're a really good football side. Yeah. Um, and for the Dogs... Good football team. Good football team. Uh, for the Dogs, I, I guess it's pretty much what we said. We know that, you know, it's been a hard year, but the shackles certainly come off. They, they brought plenty of fight, but you, when you play quality teams, this is the difference. Exactly. Uh, they certainly put their best foot forward, but yeah, you, you play a good team. You can throw your jabs, throw your punches, but if you're not doing it across the 80 minutes, they're going to expose you at times. And I think it was you I saw some of those highlights with the first time where they certainly got after Flanagan, as a lot of teams do. Pulled him out of shape a few times. Yeah. Made yeah, it was sort of up ahead of the line. We watched it together. Mm. Yeah. And then what do they, they talk about that creating a triangle when we you just sort create of. A, yeah, you create a triangle, which means essentially there's space on your inside and there's space on your outside shoulder because mm. you're... You're isolating yourself and exposing other defenders in space. Yeah, you're also isolating the man inside of you's outside shoulder and yep. you're isolating the man outside of you's inside, inside shoulder. shoulder. Yeah, So a bit of a disconnect, but um, overall, I think they'd still be happy with how they went and a tough place to go and real tough tests, like we said again this week, short turnaround. So they've played Sunday, had a delayed flight, got into New Zealand late. Like They're basically not going to train this week. Early Friday... They would have done some recovery. Uh, they, they might have one session maybe and a captain's run. Mm-hmm. 
but it's going to be a pretty light week, you'd assume, for the Bulldogs heading definitely. to New Zealand. Yeah, so, definitely. Um, I think for them, you just want to keep pushing towards a strong end of the year. And like we said, a lot of those positives in, I guess, Flanagan finding some confidence and Burton playing better footy, Fox coming to life, and then the young guys, Shops and your Krazes and all these guys playing well. And um, their veterans are obviously enjoying their football as well. Paul Lamotti returned on the weekend from a fractured cheekbone uh, after that 18's origin game. I don't know if we'll see him before the end of the year, but he apparently had a blinder in cup on the weekend. Close to 200 metres of trying, a bit of involvement. I think similar deal for the back end. I don't see Potsy dropping anyone or anything changing with the way they've been playing. But I, I, th- I want to see him in first grade. I think now. there might be a couple of guys, him included, that if they're going to have a look, they're going to get a look the next few weeks. Yeah. But him particularly, they've got real big wraps on uh, Alamotti. So another win and pretty much locking up their top four spot almost. And this last game, I only saw the highlights, but dear Lord, even they were hard to watch. Knights, Tigers. I don't know what it is about the Tigers. I don't know if my memory serves correctly and Tigers fans that listen to this. Do they have a shit record at Campbelltown? I swear that every time they play at Campbelltown, it's generally not been a good hunting ground. Yeah, okay. They only go there a couple of times a year, but I can't remember many good days out there, if I'm being honest. That's, yeah. In recent times. If, if, if I was, yeah... I- my sense is that you're right. But this this one, again, just, I guess, a little bit of a, a rewind. They, they weren't terrible, but, you know, they weren't as, obviously, clinical and physical and dominant as what they were against Brisbane, that's for sure. Mm. Um, the last couple of weeks, in particular after the Cowboys game, they obviously come with a point to prove in a real B under their bonnet. But, um, yeah, the other day, you know, it was, it was a fairly open game. It's a fairly messy game, but... Yeah, Newcastle somehow get it done. And again, they, they, they weren't clinical by any means. Only completed at 65%, made a ridiculous amount of errors. I think like 16, 17 errors himself. But yeah, I think the Tigers had some chances late to sort of steal this one and couldn't get it done. Mm. But I don't know. For both these teams, you're basically looking for the finish line. It was, right man, it's an ugly game. It was an ugly game. Wow. Off of Hengawi, I brought up for form outstanding. And again, there's still been no news whether he's taking that option, but if I'm the Tigers, I'd be bloody crossing my fingers, toes, eyes, and everything he does take that option. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot heading out the door, there's not a lot coming back in. And then the talk we had earlier about a guy like Papalia, if you hold on to an offhand Gowie, get Stefano back to his best self, playing with him, and bring in a guy like Isaiah Papalia and Arpi Corusau, then you've got some real positives. But if Offer puts his hand up and says, ta ta, and maybe, again, a team like the Dolphins could certainly be looking at him, or there's plenty of other teams out there. <coughs> They could look for somebody like that and Papa Lee tries to fly away out. Like, things could be extremely thin. But mm. um, the other one, I guess, interesting here is there's talk sort of coming back to the fore here about uh, Brooks and Newcastle again. Um, the talk was Brooks will miss the rest of the regular season with his calf injury he's got. So we're getting a look at Jock Madden, who we talked off air last week. We didn't so much mention it on air. But Jock Madden was originally from Newcastle. He was the SG Ball Player of the Year. They made a big investment to get him in there. And I think Newcastle at the time were filthy. If you're not looking to break the bank or you want an easy option right now, they're basically telling Jock Madden to pump the brakes and just hold on until they sort their situation out the Tigers. Mm. If you're Newcastle and he was one of yours and you're interested in getting somebody back for less and not having to potentially take the risk of paying six or 700000 for Luke Brooks if you're not sold, take back one of your own. Wouldn't cost a lot to break the bank. He could do worse. I'm not saying he solves your problem, but you don't have a lot of options right now. No, you don't. And the fact, again, like somebody like a Texoy who I think is a really good player is leaving and going to England. Again, after watching the other day, and I thought he was good filling in in that role. How he's not in someone's top 30 and he's been allowed to go to England this early is beyond me. Yeah, I agree. Um, that sort of stuff really disappoints me. But Gagai certainly back to some of his best football after having a real disappointing run. 
the Clemens situation, uh, that was all sort of resolved during the week. That was a bit of a clusterfuck, which pretty much just sums up Newcastle at the moment. Mm. A lot of ex-players not happy with Hayden Knowles, basically saying he's a dibber dollar because he took it to HR and that whole situation, the way it played out. Mm. Others saying, you know, you, you listen to your coach and that's what's coming through your blue shirt, which I agree with as well. But, yeah, that whole situation, how it started him almost being talked about being fired to then basically being resolved is, is crazy. Yeah. I don't think we've heard the end of Newcastle. Well, look, there was... Yeah, we, we played obviously played Newcastle in reserve grade as well on Sunday. And, yeah, they don't look a happy club at the moment, do they? Nah, they didn't... They didn't especially they didn't seem happy. Conversations that are, yeah, off the record with yeah. some of the people from the Knights. And, yep. yeah, certainly... There's a lot going on at that club at the moment. And not much of it is, is very good, unfortunately. No. Nah. Because they're such a... You know, I grew up and... The, through the nineties and particularly in the mid two thousands, they were just a powerhouse. And I told you last week, I went for Vaughan's two hundred. It's the first time I've ever been there. Mm. They're still turning up in numbers. They are passionate. They were there. They are, they're on the cans. That place was full. I they would, love the Knights. I would go as far as saying that that's the most passionate rugby league town Mate, in Australia. It was in awesome. The world. Like in the middle of there, like in Broadmeadow, wherever it was where I was. Brisbane and Newcastle, they'd be on on tilt. The as businesses, as each other. the businesses around there that are closed, like the car parks, mm. people parking on the side of the road. Like Penrith's a pretty everywhere. nice Pen- yeah. league town, but it's not like Newcastle. Nah, well, I, when things are going good, Penrith people turn up. Mm. Like, we've been used to it on Beer Hill for years when they were yeah. not going so good. And no we had a lot, up. lot of friends coming out of the woodwork the last few years when we actually go to watch the game, and yeah, you can't even stand on the hill. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Newcastle, I turn up thinking, oh, it's first in the Bulldogs, I'll be able to sit wherever I want. And when I went to buy a ticket, I was like, all right. Maybe not. And then I got in there, like I said last week, and thought, fuck, there's almost 20,000 here still. And the team's going like an absolute butt. Like, there's no fucking way I'd pay to go watch them the way they're playing right now. If it wasn't a milestone game, I wouldn't have driven all that way either. But it was legit. Their their crowd is very committed. Like in New South Wales Cup with us, it's another NRL team we've beaten with NRL feed, NRL players, full-time players, with Mm. part-time players. Some of these clubs really need to have a good, long, hard look at the yeah. players they're getting in, and the particularly some of the players we've got that are outshining them. Yeah, and like we've on a consistent about, basis, not a fluke. Nah, we've talked about it before that. What What are you doing? A lot of the time with your top thirty, let alone recycling guys. Like I said yeah. before, that being harsh, like your Woodses and some guys that get three or four well, clubs and opportunities when you've got some twenty two or twenty three year old guys that maybe. Well, I think. Tui Katoa, I don't think the dog's going to sign him. He's been outstanding for us. Samisi Kiowa, like you. He was our man in well, the match. Well, Kiowa was a gun in Matt's ball and everything. Same deal. A guy that 20s ends. Playing Ron Massey at ride last yeah, year. Yeah, 20s ends, and then they sort of just, if they don't get a deal where they are, they almost disappear instantly. Yeah. Which D, is like Dean Madison's playing the best footy I've ever seen him play. Yeah. Well, he's but, a top 30 player. Yeah, 100%. Don't act a Falao. Don't have a cack of Like, again, left power to go to Manly. That system over there has been a bit of a basket case sort of. We just wasted his time now. Falls by the wayside. But you see him playing the last few weeks and what he's been doing. And you're like, he's better than a lot of guys in the top 30s. Definitely. The key point I make here again, why waste one of those last spots on somebody you know has passed it or at a point when there's a 21, 22, 23-year-old. Lazy recruitment. Who hasn't really been developed, coached, or had that opportunity, who's much better off it's being... Not, it's not even that. It's like an opportunity to be... Full to time. train full-time. And that's my point. Why waste that money? difference. And those veterans come with a bit of tax on top, too. Because hmm. you get one of them in that back-end spot, but they're not coming for 80 grand or 100 grand. Uh, they get 150, 200. But there's another one. There's plenty there that you look at and go, yeah. Um, but it didn't come without its blows. Uh, they obviously got a win and... 
a bit of relief, but it's the end of the year for Jake Clifford and Mitch Barnett looks to maybe have played his last game. I think they're both getting surgery, so interested to see what they roll out next week. But Tigers, like we said, a um, couple of good weeks. Obviously, the disappointing situation with the Cowboys. Uh, they were going to challenge it. Now they've said today as well they're going to pull out, so they're not going to try and go to court, which is would have been pretty crazy, Yeah, in all honesty. Um, but yeah. I think there was there was effort there and there'll be effort there for the rest of the year but like I said I'm just more sitting here now getting worried when you hear the news about Papa Lee knowing what they've let go and then like Tuolagi's been really brought to life the last few weeks by Jock Madden he's leaving Garner's going to Penrith who I've always sort of liked off of he's not locked in yet you know I, I don't think they've announced a deal for New Brown yet but they, they could do better than trying to hold on to him as a backup for Arpy because I think plenty of other clubs will now look at him and go okay mm. Arpy's coming maybe come here I, I don't know but, yeah, yeah, certainly interesting finish the year coming for the Tigers. And like we said, there's never a dull moment for them on the field, but especially off the field. But, yeah, if you're Newcastle, I think you could do much worse than looking at Jock. He was yours. You know him better than anyone. They always talk about part of the problem up at Newcastle is the kids aren't invested in the club because they're not Newcastle people, which is what the core mm. of what they did was. Mm. They're bringing people in on big money, and that's part of the issue. Well, maybe bringing home one of your own for an opportunity might be a good idea. I don't know. Maybe it's a better idea than breaking the bank to take, roll the dice on Luke Brooks. But I still think Luke Brooks definitely needs to go to another club, but maybe there's a cheaper option for you there that you could trial for 12 months. Yeah. But, yeah, they end up with a win. Tigers had an opportunity on full-time, um, but unfortunately couldn't get the job done. But there you go. Wraps up the reviews of the games from the weekend. Only four rounds left to go in the NRL. Uh, and with that being said... Let's move on to tips and previews around 22 brought to you by bluebet.com.au. There is no one better than the true blue Aussie bookie. If you're going to have a bet, download the app today or visit the website. And uh, a big thanks to them again for their support with the charity account. And for this week, as it has been previous weeks on all NRL games, back a team head-to-head. And if they lead by six points or more at halftime, Bluebet will pay you out as a winner up to $100 in winnings. Lead by six at halftime. You win. Terms and conditions apply. Gamble responsibly. Fingers crossed I can find a winner this week for the charity account. But this round kicks off with the Panthers up against the Storm at Bluebet Stadium in Penrith. Uh, In terms of outs for these teams or any sort of changes, suspension of James Fisher-Harris sees Matty Eisenhuth start in the front row. Chris Smith starts in the back row again with Liam Martin. No, Isaiah Yo and the bench. A couple of changes there. Um, Taruva holds on to his spot. Mitch Kenny is there as well. And in the reserves, possibly a late change with Viliami Kikiar named in the 22. But for the Storm, Jerome Hughes out for how long, we do not know. But it looks like Cooper Johns is going to get a, a couple of weeks to at least have a crack in the halves there. Munster moves back to 5-8 with Nick Meany returning. At fullback, Justin Olam also returns, so Young Tonopaya goes out of the side. Tom Eisenhuth is named to start in the back row for Lise Kafusi, missing Chris Lewis is added to the bench. I said it to you earlier, I'd really, really like to see Jack Howth. I don't know if this is the week to do it, but when is the right time to do it? In the situation they're in right yeah. now. You know, Tommy's <clears throat> near 30. I know it's Penrith at home, and he'd definitely be somewhere in the team. I'd yeah, probably... but it's not, it's not Penrith at their best, at their strongest. No. Nah. They're two halves out. They've got Fisher-Harris out. But this so... kid... Like, and there's a need. There's a need. Five, the five years, five-year deal. I, I don't understand 
bar the injuries he's had, like he had a good game at Cup on the weekend. I think he got through the 80. They played the Hunters. He scored a try. They're not doing so well this year, but at some point you have to give him a game. And I don't... Yeah, There's never going to be a right time. Yeah, and I think waiting after you've put five-year contract on someone with that much potential, I don't want to wait until next year. Given the circumstances right now, we're not flying. We don't have him, Kenny, Felice, all these guys in where you sit there going, you're going to wait your time and we'll take care of it. I, I, I think at some point here with guys like Lewis or Tommy, etc., like playing on these roles, you, like, you just need to bite the bullet at some point. Maybe it makes a point of difference. Maybe it goes horribly wrong. I don't know. But there, there's got to come a point where guys like him or a Warbrick, when he's healthy, if there's an opportunity, they have to play first grade. I don't know if it'll be this week or not, but uh, people... I heard a bit today thinking it'd be a bit of a smash-up. The fact that we've now got Meany back in and Olam, I think, tightens things up with Coates. Munster and the halves helps. You know, Harry, Nelson, Jesse, you know, the back row spot concerns me a little bit. We've got Cheese and Tui Kamiko. Like, they're, they're still missing their halves, which hurts. Kick-out probably ends up playing. Fish is a big out, though. Massive. A big out. Yeah. So, I, I still am tipping Penrith. Me too. But uh, I, originally, when I heard this news, and if you would have told me Fish and Kikau in that arena, I would have been like, oh, we're going to get absolutely lit up. But I think after the words that have been exchanged this week, there'll be plenty of fire in this one. But yeah, Penrith at home, I think will continue their winning ways. That's for sure. Um, and bluebet.com.au agrees. The dollar fifty three are the Panthers. Two fifty for the Storm. Four and a half is the line uh, in that one. And yeah, that, that should be a juicy encounter. Big for Melbourne if they could find a way to win in terms of top four. For Penrith, I don't think it affects them anyway. They've got the Warriors on their own home. They've got a couple of games out. I'm sure they're going to win one more. Cowboys would have to win all four and beat Penrith in the last round, as well as rack up significant four and against to take the minor premiership off them now. So I think it's all but certain they're going to be the minor premier. Yep. Uh, moving on from that one, Warriors, Dogs, like we said, early Friday game over in New Zealand, and a swag of changes again for the Warriors every single week. It just seems to be the case. Dejan Arcee comes back into the halves. He's at 5'8". Wade Egan moves back to hooker. Freddie Lussick goes back to the bench, and Tenua Otokolo drops to the reserves. <coughs> Viliama Valea is back for his first game since breaking his draw in round 12, so that pushes Ewan Aiken to the back row. Sierra back to the bench, and Josh Curran to lock, and Aaron Penne is out. Uh, for the Dogs, Pungai Jr., has remained in Australia for family reasons, so he's unavailable. Fatala Mariner moves in to start at lock. Harrison Edwards comes back in for his second game on the bench after being the replacement player last week. Uh, this is one of those ones where, again, I think, best case, the Warriors could win. Uh, the Dogs, short turnaround, travelling, but I, I think they've been playing good enough footy to get the job done, but it's going to be tough given the turnaround and the circumstances. Mm. Yeah, I agree. Doggies. Mm. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be touching this one with my money, that's for sure. But bluebet.com.au agrees. The Bulldogs are favourites at a dollar fifty-seven, two forty for the Warriors, minus three and a half the line there. But yeah, that's a bit of a trap game in some circumstances if they've got any injuries and like I said, short travel, short turnaround, two big trips in a row. It's uh it's definitely one to keep your eyes on and hopefully a big crowd rolls in for the Warriors early on the Friday. Um, Eel South crack again there's a few crackers here that have implications too on the 8 this round along with the Storm and Panthers this is certainly one of them South started that run the other week with a big win over the Eels and for the Eels in this one just one change off for Hickey Ogden set to play his first NRL game of the year and for the Eels he joins the bench at the expense of Makahisi Makatoa I think has been basically there every single week 
Bailey Simonson's among the reserves, so could possibly return. Um, and you've got the Rabbitohs. Jaime Sella returns from an injury in the front row. Pushes Saluka Fafita to the reserves. Thomas Burgess is back from suspension, but he'll miss this one with a groin injury. Campbell Graham is still sidelined, and they're talking he may be back in a week or two. And I probably didn't say it earlier. Probably shouldn't have said it because I got more caught up in the Dylan Brown side of things. But for all the shit that Jacob Arthur's copped, which you know is hard when your dad's the coach, he did a really good job last week. Right? Yeah. Kicks well. Defend, and I yeah, think, but here's what he is. Yeah, he's nineteen. He's very intelligent. He's, he's solid. Got a very good skill set. He's not brilliant. No. He's a, he's a Sean O'Sullivan in a different body, really. He's a guy that you've come in and you need him to steer and do his job. Yeah. He does. He kicked well. The pass that he threw, the three-man pass to get over Saab's head, was a cracker for Wanga Blake. And that was like awesome finish. Mm. Awesome finish. And then he ID'd the fullback out of positioning Garrick for one of the tries where he rolled the kicking line for Panasini. Like, what else do you want from the bloke? That's right. I understand. I've said it during the year, I don't agree with him being on the bench as the 14, but that's got nothing to do with him being an Arthur. That's got to do with him being a halfback, and I don't think he's a great utility. I think his job is purely to be a seven, so I'd rather have somebody else there. Mm. But if you told me back up halves in the league, I'd certainly take him over a lot of other guys at other clubs have got, that's for sure. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, him and Brown combined well, so play again together this week. Interesting one. Um, do you think Sias can get it done again? It's at Combank, or do you think the Eels will strike back with a bit of revenge? I'll go with Sias. <clears throat> yeah, and I'll, I'll agree with you. I'm going to go with Sias as well, but... Uh, this will be very, very interesting. Like I said, this sort of started the run. Isaac Thompson holds his spot. There's a couple of slight differences in Seas this time around, but yeah, they've certainly been building. This was a Latrell return game, wasn't mm. it? This was the beginning of uh, a bit of a resurgence. So very interesting to watch this one and how it plays out. But if we're looking for Latrell again to have a big impact on this game, he certainly did last time. I think the other difference, again, like we said, is their forward pack has certainly come to the party since he's returned as well. Yeah. He brings a lot of confidence, gets them on the front foot and helps them out because they're not the greatest in yardage otherwise. Thompson certainly brings something in yardage they haven't had before with his body. Mm, um, but yeah, Parramatta, I think they'll be looking to get the job done here their forward pack and Dillard Brown being the dominant hand again. But I'll slightly lean towards South. And bluebet.com.au agrees. South, $1.55 favourite, two forty five outsiders of Parramatta at home. Minus four and a half is the line of that one. A cracker to go along with another cracker to kick things off early Saturday at the SCG, the Roosters and the Cowboys. So, again, implications in terms of top four, top eight. Roosters got them early in the year in dominant fashion, but this is the, the infamous game that I talked about with the three sin bins um, and some good changes here for the Roosters. A question mark on Verrills because he got a HIA last week, so he'll have to wait and see if he passes. But Egan Butcher returns on the bench. He's been outstanding prior to that suspension. Ben Thomas goes out. Lindsay Collins and Tokiaho are still sidelined, but they're hopeful they're going to get them back in the next week or two. For the Cowboys, Jordan McLean is back after being denied his Origin debut. Another inclusion. Kyle Felt remains sidelined, and why wouldn't you just wait? They've got Hammer there. Ruben Cotter comes in to start. Tanoa Brown goes back to the bench, so they get another player back into the mix. Can they cause an upset? No. No, sticking with the Cowboys. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard one, this one. Um, I think Cowboys been doing so well. Not a lot of travel that they've had to do. I wouldn't say it's a short turnaround. What's that, Sunday to a Saturday? Five days. Another player back into the fold. Roosters, question mark on Verrills. If he goes out, Hutchison would have to play. 
well, Watson has to play some minutes. That sort of takes away a little bit. Mm. I'm going to go the upset, but with zero confidence. I don't know why. Just have a bit of a feeling. Um, Got a bit of a feeling. But I'm going to go with the Roosters, but I, I think I'll be proven wrong. I think the Cowboys are winning, which sounds stupid that I've just tipped them, but I am stupid, so what do you want me to say, mate? But with bluebet.com.au, the Roosters are favourites. That does surprise me. Uh, $1.65 <clears throat> at the SCG. The Cowboys, $2.25 outside So there you go. That might be worth something this week. Um, and the line in that one is minus three and a half. And moving on to the next game, Tiger Sharks, opportunity regardless of the injuries here again to really solidify that top four position. I think they, again, they play anyone above them on the ladder. I think everybody they play on their run homes outside the eight, the Sharks. Mm. So a real good chance for them to really solidify top four. But Kemar Molo looks like he's out for the rest of the season. He has a PCL injury. Stafford Toa goes to the wings. James Roberts is back in for only sixth game this year in the centres. Zane Musgrove starts in the front row. Off Gowie goes to lock. And the Fenua Pole reverts back to the bench. Luke Garner has been named as 18th man. And for the Sharks, Tracy, after that KO, remains out. Lockie Miller retains that wing spot. Um, Maddie Moylan remains sideline, so Braden Trinnell gets another game at 5'8". Dale Finucane's back from suspension, so Cameron McInnes goes back to the bench, and Royce Hunt is listed amongst the reserves, so a possible late inclusion there. Um, looking at the Tigers, they've got Brandon Tumuth again outside on their 20, along with Matt Amore. Like, surely he gets a game before the end of the year, much like Justin. Like, I don't yeah, I, th- I think so. Again, I know they want to win some games, but you're playing Tommy Freeband. It's nice that he got his debut last week, but an older bloke is really part of their plans moving forward. Kelma Tuolagi's leaving your club. I know you don't want to get beaten up, but surely at some point you're just saying him, Garner, a few of these guys, you're not playing unless we need you. Yeah. We said this a few weeks ago. But there's now, if there's a time to give some games to some of these guys, it, it's now. Um, interesting, 18th man for the Sharks. And I, I, you know, he wouldn't look out of place. He's a good player. Kale Iro. We oh. saw Dykes last week. His best position has been, you know, fullback. He can play a bit of back row. He plays centres as well. He's played mainly centres and wing for cup this season. But if, Again, he's another one who causes... Yeah, if they have some injuries... Some massive or, issues. Or issues, he, he wouldn't look out of place if they wanted to send Miller back and give him he's a game. He's an out, out first grader. But he's a good footballer, oh, so... Yeah. Another guy that's close. But we're both on the Sharks here, surely. Yeah. Not surprised about that. Um, where's this one at? Are they playing at a Combank or where? Doesn't say, does it? Yeah, it literally doesn't say what ground is that. Oh, this one's at Scully Park, isn't it? Tamworth. Yeah, it is Tamworth. There you go. So, going bush for the weekend, but heavy outsiders are the Tigers with bluebet.com.au. They're $4.65, $1.19 are the Sharkies, uh, and the line there is minus 13.5, and, and the round wraps up again with a game that's a great opportunity for Brisbane to solidify their spot in the eight after a shaky few weeks. They've recalled... Tamare Martin, after a successful return from his rib injury on the weekend in Queensland Cup. Brinko Lee has been recorded at the expense of Dane Mariner, who's had a couple of weeks there. And Billy Walters has been named to start with Jake Turpin going back to the bench for Newcastle. Clune is back at the number seven jersey. As I said, Clifford is out with a fractured arm. Um, He underwent surgery, so he'll probably be close to done for the year. Clemmer returns after... That incident, Mitch Barnett is out as well with a thumb injury. I'm pretty sure he needs surgery. So Matt Croker starts at lock. Jacob Safidi left the field with a head knock. He's been named, so I have to wait and see what happens there. And Edric Lee is in the reserves. He's close to a return. Um, but 
Kurt Mann, who's sort of been in and out and been named the last few weeks, looks to still be injured. But he's not named. So Brisbane have to win here. It's back home. Yep, you would think so, wouldn't you? A few shaky weeks. Lose Clifford, lose Barnett. Um, 7.30 at night. You usually get a crowd up there when they roll in on a Saturday night. You'd, you'd want to get back on track here and make sure that you're locking in that top eight spot. Mm. I mean, the bookies certainly agree at Bluebet. .com.au, they're a dollar eleven favourite, the Broncos, six fifty. The Knights, minus eighteen and a half, the line there. And uh Sunday. The wrap up. Canberra at home. No Ricky. No Tarpany. No Kotrick up against the Dragons, who again are both they're on absolute life support. Canberra are just hopping on the table next to them. Whoever loses this, certainly gone. If the Dragons end up beating them, I still think they're gone, but I think they'll basically put an end to, to the Raiders season as well. Mm. So it's, an, it's a must win for both, but particularly a must win for the Canberra Raiders in, like we said, that run home and the draw they've got, which is quite favourable. But Xavier Savage missed last week. He's been named at fullback. Again, we'll see if he does play, but if that happens, Hopawade moves back to the wing where now Nick Kotrick is suspended. Corey Horsberg returns on the interchange and... To Pine, as we said, is out that rib injury. Emery Gula takes his place in the starting front row. Tarek Sims done for the rest of the season. He's Dragons career over. Josh Maguire moves into the starting side. Terrell Fumano joins the bench for his first game since round 12. Billy Burns also joins the bench. Michael Molo starts with his brother Francis dropping out. And Cody Ramsey is in the reserves. A possible return for him. Again, Sloan playing in the 14. I just don't understand it. Me either. Just... Pick him or don't pick, pick him. Fullback. Pick him by, share him some time at nine with McCulloch. Bring a point of difference there. Put the kid out there. Um, <sighs> fucking hell. Every time I sort of go against the Dragons when they look like they're done, they're not winning. Every time I've tipped Anson, every time I tip Canberra, they lose. Canberra will be winning this. So they're at home. They have to win. I will tip Canberra, but my God. This one again. Don't put your money on it. I certainly won't be. That's for sure. But with bluebet.com.au, Canberra, favourites at home, $1.48, 265 for the Dragons. Minus five and a half, the line there. And the last game, your Titans up against Manly. Again, must win for Manly to have any hope at all if it's already not game over in terms of their run home. But for the Titans, Aaron Clark moves back into hook after that seizing ending injury to Aaron Booth. Isaac Liu moves in to lock. Tenerboyne stays at halfback with Sexton named in the reserves after being rested in brackets last week. Patrick Herbert returns from injury on the wing, so Greg Marjorie goes back to the bench. And for Manly, Tafal Sipley starts at prop with Paseca out with a knee injury. Alaya returns from his knee injury on the bench, and Sean Kepi is still out. Kieran Foran has been named despite that injury, so that'll be interesting to see what happens there. If not, Walker's on the bench in 14. That's an option, or they've got Schuster. In 18 again, which is even more interesting considering, as we said, they're moving on foreign for him and he hasn't been playing any football. So hmm. uh, interesting times at the Manly Warringah Sea Eagles. But this one, I'll be sticking with Manly. Um, yeah, me too. I'm not tipping the Titans ever again. Nah, not until they, not until they win or show you something. But yeah, something. hasn't been pretty. And bluebet.com.au agrees. $2.70 outside of the Titans at home. Manly, $1.47. Minus six and a half is the line there. And that wraps up our tips. The only one different is my little inkling about the Roosters and the Cowboys. Other than that, 
the same. And last week, we both got six, so no difference in the gap. I'm on 112, you're on 108. We've got four weeks plus finals to go. Sweet. But like we said, some good games there. Really looking forward, particularly to uh, those three games that are all top eight clashes. You've got Panthers Storm, two heavyweights, Eels Souths, and Aroostas Cowboys. There's a lot to be excited about there. Absolutely. Some good football. Also, a couple of toilet bowl battles, which are always entertaining at times. Can be interesting, but not many weeks left, and then we'll be into the finals. Absolutely. So, there you go. Big thanks to bluebet.com.au for supporting our charity. If you're going to bet with anyone, bet with the True Blue Bookie. Get on the website today or download the app and to the Penrith Solar Centre. Inflation, bills going up. There's never been a better time to invest in your house, invest in yourself, and invest in a good system. Do it with Penrith Solar Centre. And, uh, was going to start with this, but I chose not to. But I'll finish with it. It's with a heavy heart, unfortunately. We've lost our other patriarch of the family this week. Yeah. Our other grandmother. Yeah, we did. Nola Shepherd has passed away. So yeah. it's been a heavy few months, unfortunately. We lost both our grandmothers. We're very lucky. I know a lot of people uh, growing up that didn't really get to have a lot of time with their grandparents or meet them or you know spend much time at all. But we've been extremely lucky to have both our grandparents for a you know, my 32 years and your 36 yesterday, so happy birthday, Boxhead. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, it wasn't um, sort of the way I wanted to celebrate my birthday, but... No, I said this to you yesterday. Bit of a cruel blow this year. We had my birthday and the day after we lost Nan yeah. on mum's side, and then uh, this year, the day before your birthday, we lost Dad's mum. So mm. um, both extremely outstanding women. We've been very lucky to have both of them in our lives. Like, I know a lot of people, you know, your, your grandparents... Everyone's grandparents are usually absolute angels, but we couldn't have been blessed to have two better nuns than what we did. Um, and Nanny Nola will be sorely missed by everyone in our family. Yeah. yeah. So. We'll uh, head to Mudgee tomorrow and stay a couple of nights and her funeral's on, on Thursday. So, yeah, it's um, mm. yeah sad sad time. But, yeah, also it's, it's going to be good to get around the family and talk about Nan and all the... Yeah, well, all uh, good times, and I guess that's what you've got to do in these situations. You sort of got to as we look to the good and look to what the lessons were that she sort of taught us, and be happy that we had her influence in our life because she was, um, yeah, she was. Yeah, if there's a better nan on earth, I haven't met her. And as we said, that we've we'll, we'll, we got two absolute pearls. We're lucky to have them for such a long period of time, and a lot exactly. of mates that yeah. don't remember them or only had them as kids. We had them through you know, everything, childhood, yeah. adulthood, like you know, teenagehood, and in your adult years. So. Yeah. Um, extremely lucky, and uh, we love you, Nan. So there you go. Thought I'd end on that note and I'd start with it because last time we did that with Nans, it sort of sat with me for a little bit and I wasn't too focused. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have enough trouble focusing at times because I'm a bit, you know, messed up in the head. So. Well, we're emotional cats. There you go. Finishing on a sad note. So yeah. big love to Nola, Nola Shepherd. Yeah. Uh, there she you go. The, she loved the Panthers, Nola. We won't hold that against her. Yeah, I will. <laughs> well, yeah. look how it panned out. Here's one, actually, to finish off. And we're the playing the Panthers on Saturday. When, so. when we were born, she was a, a gun sewer and used to make dolls and clothes, all sorts of stuff. But she used to yeah. get us a doll, basically. You know where my doll is? Where? In Henley's room. There you go. Because he's a mad Panthers She'd fan. make a doll and sew the kid up of the year of that team. So that was supposed to the year you were born, that would have been the team that you followed, which yeah. didn't end up panning out the way. But we did say... Coincidentally, that was both the clubs we finished at. So you were born year of the eel. You ended up finishing up at Parramatta, playing-wise, and yeah. I was born year of the Raider and ended up finishing up at the Raiders. So coincidentally, we don't follow either of those teams, but we ended up playing at both of those teams. So yeah. I don't know. Nan's got a bit of magic voodoo. 
She does. So there you go. Yeah, but she gave me a Panthers doll, porcelain doll, and a couple of weeks ago, Penley was... He's mad Panthers, like mental Penrith. Mm. Um, and no, he, I said to him, oh, I've got a doll there. Do you want to have the doll? As soon as I showed it to him, he's like, I want it in my room. So it's on his, on his shelf. That was about two weeks ago. No offense to that. I that's was, a bit, I was that's always a bit creeped out by my doll. Yeah, so. I, it doesn't worry him. <laughs> just because the doll, the eyes. It doesn't worry him. He just... I appreciate it and I like it. And I had it. I do still have it, but yeah, I didn't have it on display. Because yeah. after watching Chucky, I was just so like, you know. Me either. I've just forgotten about it. And then now, yeah, it's... So there you go, passing down from generation to generation. Mm. But uh, pretty cool. Like you said, good. Uh, the good times will be celebrated. She Absolutely, certainly yeah. gave an immeasurable amount of love and laughter and happiness. Then probably you know balancing out the sadness. So I'm sure there'll be a couple of beers and a couple of laughs yeah. after the funeral. But yeah. sorry everyone for ending on that heavy note. A little bit of good mixed in there, but just is what it is. You know, mate. it is what it is, mate. But for now. Have a beer. Thank that lovely lady because that's half the reason we do some of the stuff that we do. And enjoy. And flick your flick your telly on at twelve forty on Saturday. We're on Fox Tour. Oh, there you week, go. So. And if you already haven't, some people have been asking last week. There's not many now. If you've got KO, you can go back and watch some of the games. So you've played a couple of TV games. One. Only, only the West game was the the only one I've coached in. Oh, all right. Wasn't the South? Oh, the South one was just a game at the stadium. South game was at the stadium. I thought it was, it was a TV game. game. It's not. No, yeah, the West game. Was thank a, God, because we uh, got smacked there. Oh, nil. If you got KO, you got. If you go up to the search bar or just press football, you can look up Wests. Just versus Mounties. Punch in Mounties, and you'll find this us. weekend you're playing the best team in the competition, the Penny Panthers. So, yeah. hell of a challenge for the lads, but hopefully they give a good account of themselves. Absolutely, yeah. And we made the finals in Ron Massey by the absolute. Skin of our teeth. Literally. Literally a beach dick. We had a draw with Fiji, who came in red hot on the weekend, all jacked up on Mountain Dew. Yeah. Uh, but we managed to juice them a little bit in the second half of the football and score three tries and sneak out of there. So we play Winnie this weekend. Yeah. Um, in an elimination finals. game. So. Leichhardt over at five o'clock. So Things big, are day, up. big day for Mounties on Saturday. Things are heating up in the rugby league world. But again, we'll finish up on that one, everybody. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on. Give us more. Give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com